Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast, episode 500 and whatever it is. Today we will look at the Fontana Xfinity race, see if we can learn something from that race that we can carry over to the upcoming races at Las Vegas, maybe the upcoming races at Phoenix, who knows? Either way, we'll go back over the Fontana data. What I'm going to do is I'm simply going to, I think I'll just read my notes and after I read my notes, I'll read some NASCAR's notes. Maybe we'll look at the optimal lineups. Maybe we will jump back and forth between the lap-by-lap data from the Fontana race. I haven't quite decided what the move is going to be. A lot of different data here to juggle around and look at. You can get access to all this data by going to raceforthepries.com. That's raceforthepries.com. And if you click on this red button here that says Brandon Cruz DFS, that is our shared Patreon. And that is patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. That's patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. March is right around the corner. You sign up for March and you're going to get access to all the different spreadsheets, all the different data, all the different tools. It's all explained on this website if you want to check it out and become a member, if you want the data, or maybe you just want to say thank you. Maybe you just want to support the podcast and support the content, or maybe you don't. That's fine. Let's look at the Fontana race. A bunch of different things to go over to the point where I don't even know where to start. And if it goes well, great. Awesome. Like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it. Do all those things, please. And if it doesn't go well, do all those things anyway. All right, I'm going to read my notes. Hopefully this goes well. If it's boring, jump onto the other video. There's tons of videos on my website. There's tons of content at the YouTube page. There's tons of content on Brandon Cruz's page. And there's all kinds of other fantasy NASCAR content out there from other different providers. Check their stuff out as well. All right, stage one. What do we got here? I'm just going to read out loud, I suppose. Practice was at 9 a.m. local time. Racetrack was, has way more heat in it now. So when we start the race, a lot more heat in the track. Whatever. AJ keeps lead, carries speed on top side. Custer is on his bumper. Gragson in fourth after an aggressive move at the start. That does not work. Does that really surprise you? Noah Gregson being aggressive on a restart. Noah Gregson was aggressive on all of the restarts in this race. As much as I can remember, we'll see in the notes. Noah Gregson is always aggressive on restarts, which makes you want to roster him in GPPs. If it's him versus, I don't know, another driver who may not be good on restarts in the Xfinity series or another driver that's just not as aggressive, that's expensive, you go towards Gregson because we're trying to get laps led at his price point. We're trying to earn fast laps, which typically correlate with laps led or which correlate with running in the top five in cleaner air. And to get into that spot, you have to be aggressive on restarts. If you are not, you fall back running 5 to 10, 10 to 15, like a Brandon Jones. And then, hey, you may have a good day, which he typically does not. But let's say Brandon Jones finishes fifth, doesn't earn any fast laps or laps led. Then you're toast. You overpaid for a crap play, unless he had some place differential banked in, baked in. But if he didn't have any place differential, he didn't get any lead laps. He didn't run any fast laps. And a lot of that has to do with his passivity on restarts. Whereas we know Noah Gregson is a wild man. Justin Allgaier is a wild man. That doesn't always work out. They wreck. They have problems. Like uh, Justin Allgaier on the last restart on old tires was very aggressive. Well, I don't even know if he's aggressive. It was just too many restarts. He had taken too much damage. And he didn't have as good of a day as we were hoping. 
But that's the story with Allgaier and Gregson often is that, you know, it's a GVP play. Sometimes you hit a home run with it. Sometimes you miss. It's not necessarily always safe with those guys. AJ pulls away a little. Drivers are very aggressive in the pack. They were aggressive all throughout. Austin Hill slow, smoking big time. He nailed the wall. No caution, though. Tough way to follow his Daytona win. Again, I'm reading my notes. If this is kind of boring, it doesn't make sense. I'm trying to make sense of this. I'm trying to relive the race in my mind. AJ and Custer are battling. Custer with the slide job. AJ with the crossover back to the lead. You've seen this at Fontana. You might see this to a lesser extent at Las Vegas. Not as extreme. Not as wide of a track. Not as many slide jobs. But there's a high line and a low line at Las Vegas. It'll be interesting to see how those come about. Hemrick drops to seventh. Sheldon Creed also into the wall. Nothing big. Sieg is in sixth place. The Ryan Sieg cars were very good. Kyle Sieg got to where he got mainly through attrition, but let's give Kyle Sieg some credit. We didn't know if that car was going to make the race. We have seen Kyle Sieg struggle in part-time rides for his dad's team, brother's team over the years. This was Kyle Sieg's best race. And even if he didn't turn a lot of fast laps, and even if he didn't particularly run well, he finished the race, whereas others did not. Give him a pat on the back. He finished the race. Even if he would have finished... And Noah, and there weren't any wrecks. That would be a good forward step because we have seen Kyle Sieg not finish a lot of races. Now, not only did he finish this race in what was a pretty solid Sieg car, we saw Joe Graff run well in a Sieg car, which was supposed to be a Timmy Hill car, but that's a story for another day. I wouldn't be surprised this week, side note, to see a cup driver buy one of those Sieg rides this weekend, especially as, as sporty as they were. But hey, pat on the back, Sieg finished the race. Sieg finished the race, whereas others were not finishing the race and were wrecking out. Now, Ryan Sieg looked pretty good at times. Sixth place. I think he rebounds from an issue. We'll have to go through the lap-by-lap data to really see that. And Actually, let's put this up on the screen here. Um, maybe I should just put my notes on here. I'll just let you look at my notes. You can read along with me. Uh, Jesse Awuji going uh, Castle turned into a fireball. If you remember, Jesse Awuji went to the garage issue. You have a restart. Bane on the inside. Can't clear out. OJ, AJ, uh, AJ clears out. Uh, Custer is all over Bane. Custer already in this race looking good, looking sporty. By far had the best car, was clearly the most experienced, knew exactly what he was doing. And you can see right there from the beginning, he's ready to pounce. Allgaier from 20th, now up to 6th. You can see Allgaier is dialed in. He's getting in the groove. He's pretty excited. Caution out. Makes a massive big damage to the left side. Looks like he shredded a tire. Yeah, he shreds a tire, and then the tire shreds the hood. We've seen that before as he's driving back home. Austin Hill thinks all guy wrecks him, flips him off. It was actually Josh Berry that wrecked him. Josh Berry just too aggressive several times, bumping guys. He bumped and wrecked Austin Hill. I believe he bumped and wrecked Justin Allgaier later in the race, wasn't it? I believe so. Um, yeah. Wasn't dirty, but it was definitely aggressive. It wasn't Bush League, but he's pushing it pretty hard early in the race. And hey, maybe you like that. Maybe you like that Barry is not giving up. He's not playing it, taking it safe, playing it easy. You got to be careful. We have seen this happen before in the past with Ross Chastain would be the most notable example of, hey, this is my year. I'm going to go out here and I'm not going to apologize for anything. I'm trying to win races. It's racing. You know, we know that personality type and people love it, right? People in the media love to talk about it. There are certain fans that love it, but the engineers, 
the executives on the teams may not necessarily love it so much because they're thinking more about what are the consequences of these actions. And we saw that, hey, Ross Chastain was going out there and he was racing. Okay, it's just the way that I race. Okay, well, we don't like the way that you race. And if you aren't going to give us an inch, if you're just 100% and you don't know how to back off, then guess what? We're going to treat you the same, and and it's not necessarily karma. You want to win an entire season? You want to go 33 races, win enough races, get enough points to get into the championship? Guess what? You want a career? you got to know when to go and when not to go. You can't just go 100% all the time and always make the excuse that I just always go hard. I'm sorry. I just raced like a tough guy. I don't know how. That's just pure racing, man. No one wants to hear that especially the guy that you wreck. And you can tell him that all you want. And then you wreck him again. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to wreck you again. Ross Chastain made way too many enemies in every series he's ever been in. Josh Berry might want to be careful with that moving forward. I would be concerned. He made a lot of enemies in one race. Where are we going? Is Josh Berry going to be a Ross Chastain type driver? If that's the case, regardless of your fandom, and I like Josh Berry. I think he's an excellent driver. He's put in his time. He's paid his dues. He's earned it. He has not been given anything. And so he deserves this moment. But at the same time, if he wants to go out there and race every race like it's the last lap, good luck. It's poor strategy. Whether it's respectful or not, I don't care. You're not going to win a championship doing that. And if you do, you're going to have to be incredibly lucky. And from the DFS perspective, I would be very concerned with rostering Josh Berry if it's going to be a season of him treating other people like garbage because they're going to treat him like garbage. And they're going to put him into the wall and boom, he had a fast car. He looked good in practice and your DFS lineup's dead because he made an enemy two weeks ago at Bristol. Austin Hill gets four laps down. Uh, now only two down. We're running a ton of yellow laps. Let me see. Were we really running a ton of yellow laps? It felt like it. I can put that up on the screen. And laps 8 through 13, laps 20 through 24. It wasn't really that many. I mean, I guess. There were three lengthy yellow runs before stage two, but it just seemed like it was a lot of yellow laps, I suppose. Just not quite in the groove, my friends. So we're still in stage one here. Gregson versus Bain. Were they... Lengthy? I don't know if they were bad. Uh, so back to it. Gregson versus Bain on the front row. Algaier row three on the outside. Custer pushes Bain. Gregson and Custer get loose and nearly wreck each other. That's early in the race. Being very aggressive. Running free wide. Welcome to the Xfinity Series. There's no laying up. These guys just don't have the mental capacity to realize I can't win the race in stage one. They just they don't know what they're doing. They can't slow the uh, – Gregson can't. I mean, I, Custer really wasn't – I don't think Custer took it three wide. I believe it was Gregson that took it three wide. And Gregson – I can't remember. I have to go look. But either way, they're definitely going for it. This is stage one. These guys are pushing it three wide on a restart. I imagine you're going to see some similar mayhem and nonsense – on restarts at Las Vegas. Absolutely, guys pushing it. Top-tier guys wanting to go out there. There it is again, Gregson being aggressive. The pro is that he can get into clean air, run fast laps, and lead laps. The con is that he uh, wads up his car. Clements had an issue earlier, got bailed out by the caution. I believe he had a tire going down or a mechanical situation that was getting ready to happen that was going to require a pit stop, but a caution happened. 
with the Austin Hill situation that bailed him out. The problem with that was he had to use a set of tires under that situation. And we saw that happen to several drivers who spun out. Ty Gibbs spins out. He's down the set. He has to go early to a set of tires. And that comes back to haunt him at the end of the race when we get a caution. Uh, Same thing with Brandon Jones. Has that? Uh, I think there will be another one. We'll talk about that in the notes. That's just nature of the beast in the Xfinity series. Uh, when you are really into DFS and you're really following these Xfinity races and you see a guy spin out in stage one, and if you've rostered that guy, you just say to yourself, man, it's over. I mean, it's so hard to come back from that. There have been so many DFS lineups that have been burned by a harmless spin simply because there is a tire limit. And if we get several cautions in stage three, then they run off tires where everyone else is on fresh tires and you're just out of luck. And... Most regular fans don't overreact. Oh, they'll have a good chance to get a top 10 day. Well, that's probably not going to be the case for my DFS lineups. The guy just harmlessly spun, but now we are toast because they're going to have to do a set of tires. Uh, And that's especially detrimental to some of those value plays who needed all the speed that they could get. And, you know, sometimes one of those big tier drivers, they'll, they'll be able to get by because they can get finishing points and if they had to place differential. But it's very unlikely at that point that they're going to be a hog, meaning they lead laps and earn fast laps. So they're probably toast. The value guys just can't afford to lose that speed. And you can hope and dream attrition-wise to stay in the race, but most often it's for not. Not sure what's going on with Brandon Jones, but the right rear quarter panel is scuffed up. He was running up front, then he's back in traffic. I believe he hit pit road for something. Maybe it's in the notes. We see Jones come and go, move back to the front, move to the back, wreck 17,000 times. All in all, just not a good day for Brandon Jones. and Not a good day to pick Brandon Jones, which was disappointing because we know that in the last Fontana race in 2020, the JGR cars were awesome and he looked great. But in this race, the JGR cars did not look that speedy, did not look that sporty. And that is a concern going into Las Vegas. Not sure if I will be as high. We'll want to see what they roll out in practice. But make no mistake, the JGR cars were, were disappointing Ty Gibbs, the bar has been set, Ty Gibbs. We expect a lot from you and Chris Gale. Four wins, nine top fives last season. There's the bar. You set it. You need to go out there. And he just did not do it. Now, yes, he was down a set of tires. But, look, that didn't affect him until really the last run. And then he was definitely in a hole using scuffed tires. He was on equal tires. He was in an equal situation. He dealt with some traffic here and there. But when they spread out and he's battling with Hemrick, Hemrick was faster. I don't know if Hemrick had a better colleague car. Hemrick was more aggressive and more willing to get on the wheel, got more out of his car. Like, I mean, almost flashing back to Ross Chastain the last couple of years where he didn't have the best car at the short tracks for colleague, didn't have the best car at the intermediate tracks for colleague. But Ross Chastain got the most out of the car, often too much out of the car, put it in the wall. I think Hemrick is going to be the same exact thing. Run in the same situation where you're going to be surprised that, hey, he is dicing it up for third or fourth place at times. But he's never going to be in first, second, or third place. And he's never going to lead laps. And he's never going to be the car to beat. Just that's I mean, We saw this with Ross Chastain. We saw to a lesser extent of Haley. Haley was more of a 5-10 to 10 guy at this team. They just didn't quite have the cars. And kudos to Daniel Hemrick. I'm always the guy that's the toughest on Daniel Hemrick. But Daniel Hemrick had a really good race, was really aggressive, was on the wall, getting as much out of that car as possible. But also, let's not completely pat him on the back because 
Doing stupid stuff, battling for fifth place while you're five seconds behind the leader is just dumb. There is no point in that. But that's just the way that he races. And that's the way that Brett, spot, Brett Griffin, his spotter, races. He was formerly Ross Chastain's. That's just racing, man. It's the only way I know how to do it. Well, guess what? That's why you don't win very often. That's why you're trapped in the lower series. That's why you guys bounce around teams. That's why Brett Griffin has just been jumping around and not winning races over the last decade. Look at his career. Like maybe if you were a little bit more skillful about your navigation and maneuvering. I think he's a nice guy. He's an interesting guy to follow. He's got a great podcast. But the way that he approaches these races is, let's just go for it. Let's go for it. Let's run hard. Let's run hard. Like It's dumb. It's stupid. You just you just don't go 100% the entire time. You need to know. I mean, it's, I mean that's what racing is. You can't just lay on the pedal. You got to slow down into the turn. You got to know when to go fast and when to go slow. Brett Griffin doesn't know. He just goes hard the whole time. Daniel Henry just goes hard the whole time. Rush Chastain just goes hard the whole time. They're not skillful, technique-based drivers, which makes A.J. Allmendinger a very unique fit to that team because he is the opposite of that. I would love to see Brett Griffin and A.J. Allmendinger work together and see what they could do over the course of the season. I think that would be a great yin and yang balance that would make bring the best out of both of them. Are you listening to me, colleague? Get Chris Rice on the phone. All right. Uh, Gregson and Algar, three and four. Algar all over. Gregson. Gregson's pushing up top. Gets into the wall. Not terrible, but could require some time on pit road. They look at it. Nice, it's fine. Composite by is fine. Hemrick gains seven spots on pit road. Amazing day on pit road for him. I believe though he had some bad spots there. Bain loses a ton of spots. As I mentioned, going into the week. And it wasn't my genius brain idea. It was Junior Motorsport. Dale Jr. said this. The 18 crew, whatever reason they're fast against Drew Dollar, but Joe Gibbs is not letting his A team work in the Xfinity Series. And we saw that with a slow stop by Trevor Bain's crew, and he loses a bunch of spots. Sieg missed his stop altogether, so he has to come back down pit road, and he loses all his spots. Stage two, Gibbs aggressively side drafting Hemrick. You might remember this restart. This was fun. This was exciting. Gibbs right up on Hemrick's side, and Hemrick just wrecks him. And Hemrick's going to say, like, oh, well, I didn't know he was coming up. Well, why were you going down? Well, I was going to side draft him. Okay, so you're going down to side draft the car on the inside. You know what the possible consequences, the trade-offs, you know what the risk is there. Yeah, I would dump him. Yeah, you dumped him. Again, Hemrick, I mean, it's just, it's Ross Chastain back in the series again, doing stupid stuff, killing your fantasy lineups. Uh, Gibbs goes spinning. It's not terrible for his car. These guys used to be teammates, by the way. Gibbs goes in the grass, splitters fine. Restart Gregson on the inside of Hemrick. They don't get along either. You'll remember they got into a fist fight last season. Gregson has a teammate behind him. Custer pushes Hemrick. Hemrick under attack. Gregson passes him. Bailey Curry has a tire going down. He makes it back to pit road. Uh, he was pushing it really hard to get back to pit road. I believe he has some sort of mechanical issue that happens too, which kills that pick. Parsons with the save. Looks like him and Curry got together, similar to the Barry and Hill issue. where You remember where Barry ran into Austin Hill? Same thing there. Parsons will wreck later on in the race. Allgaier passes Hemrick. Jones in fifth. All right, so Brandon Jones back to life here. That's the life of Brandon Jim. Jones Gibbs in 15th, but he's down a set of tires. 
Jeffrey Earnhardt starts pushing water. Jeffrey Earnhardt went through roller coasters of, oh man, this guy's awesome. To, oh God, his car's not, he's pushing water. Now it's not pushing water. He's in serious trouble, but he battles back. He was in the top 15 at the time. Then there's a caution for, you guessed it, a Brandon Jones spin. He saves it. Harmless spin. Earnhardt is able to pit and get water into the car. Uh, Curry had to pit again because I don't know if an oil line got knocked loose when he spun out and drove it like a madman back to pit road or if the pit crew knocked an oil line loose when they were changing the tire. Custer is now leading. Hemrick is dropping in traffic. Jones and Gibbs are still in the top 10. Jones on fresh tires is now flying. Jones to fourth, to third, to second. You'll remember this at the end of stage two. Because Jones spun, he's now on fresh tires. Everyone else is on old tires, and it's just a video game out there. And he is one by one picking them off each turn, moving his way. Not enough time to catch the Custer leader, but he gets way up there. Hemrick in traffic, not really running well this run. Allgaier said the last adjustment made him too tight. Jones is the first off pit road. Custer now loses seven spots, which doesn't really surprise me. I wouldn't expect a go green light SS. SS go green light racing. I can't ever get it right. Bobby Dodder pit crew is probably not going to be that fast unless, of course, Custer went out and got his own hired guns. Doesn't look like it. But it is roulette on pit road, and I would imagine it's going to be like this for quite some time. And that's going to make your DFS lineups even more volatile. But the good news is a lot of these guys were able to rebound from those mistakes. Great. So it didn't kill your custard lineups. But the takeaway then, building lineup-wise, construction-wise, would be that might need to take three hogs. If we are going to constantly just hit reset and say, now it's your turn to lead. Now you get lead laps. And Oprah is just saying, everybody look under your chair. You're all going to get Hog points. That could be the case if we are constantly having terrible pit road situations and pit road sequences like Trevor Bain being the guy to beat to, all right, see you, Bain, to Custer leading to, all right, your turn's gone. Now we're going to put somebody else in the front. If that's going to be the case, which I don't think that they're going to clean that up anytime soon, and if we're not going to have the A teams from these top-tier teams jumping in, we absolutely are going to see this at least for the next three or four or five races until they start to gel, and they may not ever gel. It may be hired guns every single week for some of these teams. Then, so there's two things, and we talked about this on Cruz's show, that are going to be the outcome. So the first one, which I was just talking about, is that you may need to realize that if these pit crews are not going to be elite and consistent, then it's going to be very hard for one driver to hold on to the lead and be the hog. So you, and it's going to be hard for two, maybe. And if we're going to see multiple lap leaders, that means multiple hogs. That means your optimal lineup may need to have three hogs in it. You're not going to see one guy run away with the show. We've seen one or two guys run away with the show in 2018, 19, 20, where you had elite drivers and elite cars. But we don't really have elite drivers anymore. We don't really have elite cars. And we don't have elite pit crews that are going to constantly and consistently put Christopher Bell in the lead and maintain a spot or maintain the lead for Chase Briscoe or get him spots consistently. We may not have that moving forward. And so if we're constantly just changing the deck chairs and deciding who's going to be leading uh, almost randomly, then you're going to have three hog lineups. Did this one have a three hog lineup? You had Custer, you had Gregson, you didn't. Yeah, you had three pretty much. You really did. You had three. You had Custer who scored 40, 36 hog points 
So 16 fast lap points, 20 laps lead points. Noah Gregson with, we'll round this up to nine fast lap points and six laps lead points. And then Trevor Bain, who led in stage one, who then got shuffled to the back with 4.5 fast lap points and six lap lead points. You had three hogs. Why did you have three? Was it because they were all equal? Sure, they were all equal. We don't really have a giant differentiation like we had in 2018, 19, 20. I don't even know if I want to include 2020 in that, but the top is pretty even equipment wise and skill wise, but at least before, even if they're all even, if you had track position, uh, if Custer consistently has track position, if we're all equal, well, I'm starting first. So I'm just going to maintain my spot. It doesn't matter what year it was or what era we're in. If we're all equal, but I just don't lose any spots on pit road. I can lead every lap or maybe it's me and another guy lead every lap. But if we're all equal and then we just randomly decide, well, this is your turn to lead, we're going to have plenty of scenarios this season where we have three guys. And none of them got place differential, by the way. Like, well, the reason why that, no. Cole Custer scored one place differential point. Noah Gregson scored four place differential points. Trevor Bain scored one place differential point. These guys were pure hogs. They finished one, two, and three, and they were hogs, meaning they got fast laps and laps led. That is likely going to be a scenario at Las Vegas and Phoenix. I would say even more so as we get to the short tracks where we're running more laps that you are going to have to, like, like look, Algar was not in the optimal lineup. Algar was very safe. I don't have ownership in front of me, but he was the safest of all. Now, he did get hurt, and he would have been optimal if it wasn't for that last caution because he finished eighth. And his average running position was fourth. He got into the second to last run. He got into it, got in a little bit of a wreck. And that hurt his performance a little bit. But he was still right there hanging in. He was still good on restarts. But the final restart just didn't work out for him. And he fell to eighth place. And you got Anthony Alfredo jumping in there with new tires, which squeezed him back a spot as well. But that doesn't change the fact that even if Algar does finish, let's say, let's give him four more points. Let's say he finishes six. Actually, let's give him six more points. If he gets six more points, he finishes in fifth place. He could do better. I think that's fair. We're giving him five, three more positions. We'll say he finishes fifth, so he drives from 20th to fifth place. That adds six points. That gives him more raw points than Trevor Bain at uh, 55 points to Bain's 52.5. But Bain was 9,100, and Allgaier was 10,100. And Bain was still the better play as a third hog. And the safe place differential play was not the right play. Wait, obviously, the, the safe place differential play was, it worked fine in cash, but it was not optimal, and it was not the right play when everything was said and done. So moving forward into Las Vegas, where you're more than likely going to get another chance at one of these guys because it's that short practice session, and we know these are impound races. You don't have a lot of changes to do. I will not be surprised for the course of the season to see guys like Allgaier or top-tier drivers have more of a race set up, not have enough laps, and not really go out there and really run a hot lap in qualifying and just not qualify in a good position. And there it is, Justin Allgaier sitting in 18th place at $1,100. Well, he's pretty safe. But with the pit road situation being what it is, the play is probably better to go with the three hogs. It's early. It's a small sample size. We don't want to overreact. But the takeaway from Fontana is that is the situation moving forward. Um, the second part of that conversation is that without uh, – with I guess this is pit road parity. 
We no longer have a disparity between these pit road teams. There's no longer an inequity that divides the haves and have nots. Some of these smaller teams, especially these middle guys like Brandon Brown, that moves them closer. Ryan Sieg that moves them closer. Well, Ryan Sieg had a bad pit stop because he missed the pit stop. That wasn't his pit crew. They're going to maybe possibly score more top tens and flirt with top fives if they can get clean air and get track position, especially for a final run. All right, I'm going to try to keep going. I'm getting through the notes. All right, stage two. Uh, Tommy Joe was having trouble getting over the RPM, which is strange. Tommy Joe Martin's car struggled the entire race, but Kaz Grawley's car had speed. Kaz Grawley even spun out, I think had an issue, but drove back to the front. Ultimately, I believe he blows a tire and has a bad finish. But there was a moment where, uh, if I look at the lap by lap, let's look at the lap by lap for Kaz Grawley. I thought that he was running halfway decent at a certain time. Uh, didn't do anything with top 20, but let's see top 15 wise. Asgrala ran, eh, that's not great. He did run 21% of laps inside the top 20. That's not great. 34% inside the top 25. Why is that green? That, that calculation's wrong. The calculation's got to be fixed. Let me pause this and fix the calculation. I know what's going on. I'm back. So I made the fix. Let's look back at Kaz Grala's data now that I've cleaned it up. And Grala ran 62% of his laps inside the top 25. Not terrible for Tommy J. Martin's car. 38% inside the top 20. Not terrible. About where you would expect a Tommy Joe Martin's car. So I'm not really excited about that. He did end up finishing 25th. His average running position, though, was 18.4. That's not terrible. It looks about like typical Kaz Grala. Uh, Tommy Joe Martin's car now, and that still is pretty good because I think that the competition was a little stronger. Some of those Tommy Joe Martin's finishes 15th to 20th last year inflated by softer fields. He didn't get the good finish though. To have run that. Mm, Back to the notes. So Tommy Joe Martin's having mechanical issues. Custer already in third, now second. Back on the lead for Custer. Custer's just destroying people. Gibbs side drafting Henrik again and passes AJ green flag pit with a loose wheel. This is going to put him down a tire late in the race. Team says it was fine, but AJ still pit. That was dicey, but he gets back on the lead up eventually. Allgaier can't get around Jones for third. Henrik and Gibbs battling. They were battling a lot there in stage two for a meaningless fifth place finish while they were distant fifth place finish. Gibbs pulls away. Now Bain is on Hemrick. Driver's getting closer to the wall with 65 to go. Hemrick is slow, but getting everything out of his car slower. I think that was an overreaction on my part. Allgaier gets around Jones. Hemrick looks like he is going to wreck. This is where Jones or, or Gibbs, Hemrick, and Bain are just battling. Eventually, Hemrick gets around. I mean, it's like slide job after slide job running on the outside. Eventually, Hemrick gets ahead of them and pulls away. And the JGR cars kind of fall back a little bit. Gibbs, it, it, Gibbs. Got around Hemrick, but couldn't get away because from my eye, it looked like just Gibbs could not hit his spots. It looked like Gibbs' car was probably faster than Hemrick, but he wasn't going to get on the wall and he just wasn't consistently getting into the turns. He was struggling with the car. It wasn't executing. He had clean air. He could not pull away. And eventually Hemrick got around him. That's my eye. We don't know for sure, but it just it didn't look like Gibbs was consistently turning good laps. Barry was getting better as he learned the track. Herbst can't get close, closer than 10th. 
I liked Riley Herbst, had big hopes for the 98 car. He just kind of sat in tent the entire time. Very disappointing. I'm not going to be nearly as bullish on him. His price was right. He looked like a 10th place car. Gregson, two seconds back, but not dropping. Uh, but also, from my eye, I don't know how much Custer was really pushing it when he had that two-second lead. I don't think Custer was out there trying to run hot laps and just trying to gap the field. I think he was managing there a little bit. Guys in the top four are not running the wall. Hemrick is back and running the wall. Casagrala right tire front goes down, makes it to pit road. So even with him having to pit under caution, I don't know if there was a caution there or not. I don't think there was. He still had a good average running position. Custer struggling with traffic. Lead is now half a second. Yeah, you might remember that. Custer just running into a bunch of good old Xfinity lappers. Brandon Brown spins out, running in 18th. I didn't think it was anything serious. And Cruz it was also adding to the notes. He says, no, he's toast. Just got loose. There was no damage. And I thought, oh, no damage. And I'm just typing that in. And then he says, nope, tire went flat and the old tire ripped out the car and there's a picture of it here on the screen you can see Allgaier takes the lead on pit road Custer loses six more spots yikes 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 good luck in your GVPs this year there's two ways to take that it's not good right like the chalky conservative plays it's going to be some volatility here for a little while team tells Allgaier he's two laps short AJ takes a wave around Algar on the top. Jones on the inside. Gregson behind Algar on the restart. Gregson and Algar battling. Gregson takes the lead. Here comes Josh Berry to second. So Junior Motorsports coming alive here. Custer back to fourth pretty quickly. Right, Junior Motorsports, here they go. Well, that's just because Custer lost a bunch of spots on pit road. Hemrick is back in 10th now. Sam Mayer is in 6th. Sam Mayer came to life. Junior Motorsports, Junior Motorsports, all in at Las Vegas. Hey, guess what? Did you watch my Las Vegas Xfinity podcast? Did I record one? I think I did. You know who finished 1, 2, and 3 at Las Vegas? It was Junior Motorsports, Junior Motorsports, Junior Motorsports. First time ever in the history of the organization. Custer tries a bold move, doesn't work. Barry now in second, Mayer in fifth. Kyle Segan, 23rd, impressive. The RSS cars are looking good. Joe Graff was looking good. Joe Gibbs Bain running sixth, seventh, and eighth. Not a good day for JGR. Gregson with a two second lead on Josh Barry. It could come down to fuel mileage. No, it's not. They're going to wreck a bunch of cars. Custer trying to pass Algar. Good luck with that, right? Who, one of the guys, it's not Ryan Newman territory, but it's one of the guys that you really don't want to have to get around when you have a faster car. Mayer not running anywhere close to the wall, and there is no reason for him to do it. He has a good car. Um, he is has a good lead on the car behind him, which is in sixth place. He's in fifth place, and the car in fourth place is way far off in the distance. No reason to get on the wall. Just got there, get a good finish. Can't believe he's only 18. I still couldn't believe that. I've been playing him in BFS NASCAR for a while. You were playing him in the truck series. We were playing him, and I didn't realize he was only 16 in those 2019 truck races. Wow. Uh, Barry cutting into Gregson's lead a little. Buford, Jay Buford caution. He was running inside the top 15. He spins. He can't save it. He hits the wall hard. I believe someone spun him out. Creed right behind him almost wrecks two. Brandon Brown gets that lucky dog. Brandon Brown back in the show. Tore up his hood. We thought, oh, we were toast. Brandon Brown throws some tape on it. We're going to be all right. Everyone pits. Some teams are out of tires, and we'll have to go to the scuffs. Joe Gibbs, out of tires. Brandon Jones, out of tires. AJ Elmanier, 
out of, out of stickers. Uh, Gibbs is going to stay out. I believe the 1916 will go to Scuffs. Gregson overshoots his pit stop. Oh, my goodness. We've got Sieg missing pit stops. We've got Bang with a bad pit stop. we got Custer with a bad pit stop. Now we have Noah Gregson. It's his race to win, and he overdrives his pit stop, and he loses a ton of spots. Wow. What a show they put on on pit road. Good luck trying to build lineups. But again, the takeaway, three hog lineups, three hog lineups, three hog lineups. All right, where are we back at now? Uh, some drivers stayed out. Algar and Barry were the first off pit road. Bain has a good stop. Gibbs and Alfredo stayed out. Alfredo's just playing games, saying, we're going to save a tire just in case there's a bunch of cautions, which really wasn't Galaxy Brain. It's not that crazy. I, Anthony Alfredo was not doing anything in this race at all. He had no chance in this race whatsoever. His bet was, you know what? This is an Xfinity race. This is Fontana. We love tearing up race cars. There is going to be more cautions. I bet, Alfredo says, with his Our Motorsports team, that there's going to be another caution. So let's go out here. Let's take our lumps. Hopefully we don't get destroyed and we don't sink too far. But when that caution comes, because it will come, as they say, as Anthony Alfredo says an affirmation in the radio, I don't know if he said it, but I would if I said there will be a caution. I, Anthony Alfredo, believe there will be another caution because this is the Xfinity Series and these cats can't drive. And when that caution comes out, I'll get fresh tires and I'll video game myself to victory. And he almost does that. I, Pierce Dietrich, will be the most viewed fantasy NASCAR analyst. I, Pierce Dietrich, will be a top-selling Amazon author. Gotta keep hitting those affirmations. Anthony Alfredo was doing nothing. If you're looking at the screen, you're seeing a bunch of red. Uh, he does get his highest 22nd place here by the end of stage two. Wow. He's driven up to 22nd by the end of stage two. Congratulations, slow pasta. Uh, throughout stage three, the first run of stage three over the course of about 20 laps, he's in 18th. Now, a good pit stop here, and he's running basically 15th, and he drops back, and he's running in the 20s. Before his bold move, he is in 24th place. We get a caution. He gets up to 13th place. They all go get tires here. And actually, did they get tires right here? Where do they get tires? Where do they get tires? Where? There's where they got tires. Lap 128. That can't be the one that he stayed out on. That's much later on. So we got to fast forward to like caution lap 151. Anyway, I guess I don't have any notes from that part. He stays out. All right. And then it's just kind of wrecked. I don't need to read through all these other notes. Because like you remember the end of the race. A bunch of restarts. A bunch of mayhem. You know who was fast. You know who wasn't fast. You know what Anthony Alfredo did. You know all these guys. Barry gets into the wall. Vargas. Has an, let me just read real quick. All right. That's enough. I, I don't want to read all the notes. You can read the notes. I've got a good general idea of what happened in that race. Um, so I want to look at some of this lap-by-lap data here at the end. Uh, I just Actually, what I really want to look at is just where they were running. So uh, they're 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. That'll just give me a really quick idea. So Custer's your race winner. He runs 89% of the race inside the top five. That's not the most. Gregson ran 97% inside the top five, which... You know, Custer had the two bad pit stops, so that makes sense why he didn't run as many laps inside. 
and Gregson did have one, but man, that's impressive by Gregson. 97% of laps inside the top five. Uh, when we could look, I mean, those are the two best cars, clearly. Trevor Bain was right there, but he significant fewer laps inside the top five, but a lot of that was because at the beginning of stage two, he had that really bad pit stop and just really couldn't get his way up there. I mean, if we go back over here and look, I'm sure we're going to see that in stage two. He didn't turn a lot of laps inside the top five because he lost. How many positions did Trevor Bain lose? So he wins stage one, he restarts at 11th, and he basically runs in 11th for all of stage two. There wasn't a lot of green flag laps there because of the two cautions. There was enough, but he doesn't really do anything. Um, and he's just running around fifth to 10th, and late in the race, he gets back up there. So who else had an elite card? Justin Allgaier ran 84% of his laps inside the top five, and he started 20th. Justin, uh, Cole Custer, remember he starts, what, second place? He ran 89% in the top five, 84% for Allgaier, despite a really bad starting position. Junior Motorsport looked pretty hooked up in this race. Where was Josh Berry? He finishes in fourth place, only 34 in the top five, but 92 inside the top 10. He was right there. Where's Mayer? 79% of Mayer's laps were inside the top 10, just 8% inside the top five, but Junior Motorsports cars looked really speedy, really good in this race. Who else was pretty? Daniel Hemrick, just 29% in the top five, but 86% inside the top 10. He was inside the top 10 the entire day, a 5.9 average running position. That's behind all the guys that I mentioned. Uh, a little bit better than Allgaier, but remember, Allgaier had those laps early in the race where he was way down, and so those, when you just look at an average, running a lap in 20th, all right, now he runs a lap in 18th, now he runs a lap in 17th, and so that all calculates in the average, and that makes like his average running position look worse. That's why it's better to look at, well, what was your percentage of laps inside the top five, top 10? It gives you a better indicator of the speed, because if we look at average running position, which is what you know driver rating and most people are going to look at, that number would say, well, Daniel Hemrick was better than Justin Allgaier. But if I look at laps inside the top five, which gives me a really good indicator of was that car fast? Because you can have a good day and you can be very good and you can execute, but you're not going to consistently be in the top five unless you are really good and your car is really fast. And we can see 84% of his laps for Allgaier in the top five, whereas just 20, what, 29 for Daniel Hemrick. 23 for Ty Gibbs. And if you watch the race and you saw it with your eyes, you know that Allgaier was so much faster than Gibbs, than Hemrick. But if you just look at the sheet, if you are spreadsheet warrior, if you're a spreadsheet warrior and not really a super insane warrior like me, a lunatic, a kamikaze spreadsheet pilot who also combines the supplemental context of watching the races with the notes. If you just spreadsheet warrior, simple spreadsheet warrior light and say, well, it's average running position, then you would go with the feeling of, oh, Hemrick was better. No, it wasn't. That's what you got to be careful with today. That's why I really like using this data here to really understand who ran well. Like Brett Moffat does not get a good finish. Brett Moffat does not have a good average running position. So, Spreadsheet Warrior Light, you know who you are. I don't know who they are. But you look at some of these data, it's like, man, it wasn't that bad. He was better than, I think, 18.5%. Not much better than 18.5%, but consistently inside the top 20, not top 10. But it's not a stretch to say he's a 15th place car. 56% of his laps inside the top 15. That's pretty good. He was 
best hour motorsport car, not Anthony Alfredo. What was Alfredo's top 15? What, probably 12%? 19% of his laps were inside the top 15. Who was our other hour motorsport car? It was Jeb Burton, 28% inside the top 15. But a top 20 car, he is our, isn't he? Or is he Sam Hunt? No, Sam Hunt's Jeffrey Earnhardt. Let's see if there's any other guys that stand out down here. Uh, Sheldon Creed looked good. Brandon Jones, typical Brandon Jones top 10 car, doesn't get to finish, even though he about wrecked 17,000 times. Disappointing, sloppy race, but it was a top 10 car. He is a top 10 driver. <sighs> Don't write him off, right? If this is going to be pit road roulette, sometimes it's going to be his number. His card's going to come up, and he's going to get the lead laps. And as long as he doesn't have a sloppy finish, you let him lead stage two, and he's probably not going to be the most expensive of the top tier. His days are going to happen. Sheldon Creed as well. This car's just about fast enough. 42% of laps inside the top 10. Just on that edge, right? If you come down pit road for a caution inside the top 10 in seventh place, and we again just basically are playing Keno or, you know, playing 52 pickup. Not 52 pickup. But we're just randomly drawing cards to decide starting position. And then you throw on top of that, you got change lane rules and aggressive restarts it's not and then you've got two tire no tire four tire saving tire strategy Sheldon Creed's gonna get plenty of opportunities in the RCR car to lead laps anyone else down here that uh, may not get their enough attention let's look at some of these punty guys and see if they actually did run halfway decent laps uh, Joe Graff ran 32% of his laps inside the top 20 in that Ryan Sieg car. I would say this is more car than driver because you were in or Joe Graff didn't even qualify for this race. That Ryan Sieg car, 32% of his laps inside the top 20. That is encouraging. 62% inside the top 25. So whoever is in that 38 car, 39 car, I believe, next week, you're going to want to keep your eye on them. Jeremy Clements. Top 20 car all day, 67%, 27% of his laps inside the top 15. That's the old Jeremy Clements that we are used to. It's going to depend on qualifying. It's going to depend on price, but he's back in play. Clements is always going to be out there. Looks good. That's a good sign for him. Kyle Sieg, these numbers are not good, but being that it's Kyle Sieg, it's still, you know, he ran half the race inside the top 25. He definitely finished a lot better than he should because of the mayhem at the end. But like I said at the beginning of the podcast, him finishing on the lead lap and then him also entering a top 20, that's fine. I don't care. Just the fact that he finished the race was good. Running half the race inside the top 25, that's okay as well. What else we got? Joey Gase, 39% of the laps inside the top 25. That kind of surprises me a little bit. Andy finished on the lead lap. I didn't know what to make of the Gase cars, right? This is a new team, two new cars that they are fielding. And for him to go out and run all the laps, finish the race, I don't know if he needed any lucky dogs or not. Either way, he ran 39, 70% of the laps inside the top 30. That's pretty good. If he is going to be priced like a 5 to 6K, BJ Motorsports, Mike Harmon, you know, the lower type teams, Mario Gosselin, if he can finish around 25th every single week, kind of like, you know, we kind of wanted him to do when he was with Carl Long or whoever he was with. If he get a 25th and he's starting in the back, he's in play. It seems like the old Gates. And maybe he might be better. Maybe his equipment might be better than the equipment that he had in previous seasons. Who knows? But this car 
finished the race. This car finished the race on the lead lap. So not only do we get an RAF running at finish, we get an LLF lead lap finish. Sure, he's it benefited from all the cautions and wave arounds and just running laps under caution are better on the machine. But I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. Maybe at Phoenix we get long green flag runs and there's less races, but less wrecks. And that'll be tougher for a team like Gase to hang on to. It's going to be tough for everybody in that back half of the field. But Las Vegas, there's going to be cautions. And if Gase is not one of those cautions, we feel confident that the car can finish the race. Josh Williams did not. That's not good. We, he's clearly going to take a step back in this equipment. J.J. Yaley, not what we expect. At least he finished the race. In the Carl Long car, 66 car. Matt Mills. I expected a lot more from Matt Mills. A lot more. As you know, these BJ McLeod cars are junior motorsports cars. Now, it just looks like he, the cautions, I don't know if he got caught up in something at the end. Let me check the notes. But he did, I mean, like he finished worse than J.J. Yaley, despite him running 56% of his laps inside the top 25 compared to just 35% by Yaley. He finished worse than Josh Williams, who only ran 13% of his laps inside the top 25. He finished worse than Joey Gase, who only ran 39. Williams ran half of the race inside the top 25, which, like, all right, these BJ McLeod Motorsports cars, which were fast in practice, looked like they're 20th to 25th, which is better than the previous seasons where they were more 25th to 30th. And that might have something to do with them having junior motorsports equipment. He ran more laps inside the top than Kyle Sieg did. He's right up here with Joe Graff, who clearly had better equipment. It's a really good race, but a bad finish. His average running position was 26.1. But what happened to Mills? Let me see what I got in my notes for Mills and what kind of situation. I think he had a long pit stop at some point that hurt him. Did he finish on the lead lap? He did finish on the lead lap at the very least. I think something happened to Mills. What was it? He got the late lucky dog. Let me see if we got any other notes on Mills. No, I don't. But that is disappointing. I would like to see some more information. That's going to be an old Twitter thing. Cruz will get to the bottom of that one. All right. That was disappointing. Let's see. Keep your eye on Matt Mills and what's going on there. Because his teammate, Stefan Parsons, was running great as well. He gets wrecked by, he wrecks Creed at the end. So, how many did Parsons run in the other BJ McLeod car? 88% of his laps were in the top five. That, top 25, that's great. 38 inside the top 20. Average running position of 22.9. That's clearly hurt because he gets scored 25th, 25th, 25th in these final laps. Um, yeah, that looks pretty good. Stefan Parsons. All, all in all, I mean, Stefan Parsons was in 15th place before he wrecked at the very end. An impressive day for Sheldon Creed's brother-in-law, husband of Candy Parsons. No, brother, half-brother of, twin brother, not, yeah, twin brother of Candy Parsons. Who names their kid Candy? Well, Phil Parsons does. Phil Parsons names their child Candy. Imagine that. Maybe it's a nickname. How do you get the nickname Candy? I don't even want to go there. Don't need the Parsons family knocking on my door, coming after me. All right, the ultimate lineup again, I don't think I read it out loud, was Cole Custer at $9,800. Anthony Alfredo at $7,300. Surprise right there. Uh, that was a stack in the back fluke play. 
he was terrible all race. He gambles. It works out. But you know what? If you build enough lineups and you blindly play the guys in the back, it works sometimes. Gregson, Bain, Tuvog, Brandon Brown. That was uh, – I felt pretty comfortable with that play. It worked out. That was up and down. Uh, and then Kyle C, full punt. If you had the guts to do that one, after, kudos. If you had the guts to play Kyle C, not knowing – a, if his car was going to make the race. B, Kyle Sieg never finishes races. So if you went there, you probably had a bunch of lineups. If you went to Alfredo, you probably had a bunch of lineups. There was no way you could trust that our car. And you were right not to trust the Alfredo car. It was not good. It was not fast, as we already documented. But they just uh, got lucky. But that can happen again. So if you're getting Anthony Alfredo again, starting in the back with an incredibly slow car, and you're saying, he's not going to do it. Like, I I get it. I want to stack in the back, but he's not fast enough or whatever. Well, guess what? What was the circumstance or the scenario that opened the door for Alfredo? Well, he just decided to save a set of tires and there were a bunch of cautions again. Well, do you think that could possibly play out at Las Vegas? Could that possibly play out at Phoenix? Could Yes, that can play out anywhere. So where in one mindset, you say the Anthony Alfredo play was dumb and you just got lucky. Well, there's another way to approach that. And it's that, yeah, he's not fast. The car's not fast. And just because he's starting in the back isn't really a good reason to play him. But he doesn't have to always be fast. You don't always have to be the best in the Xfinity series. If there's going to be a bunch of cautions at the end, he's going to get spots through attrition. If there's going to be a bunch of cautions at the end, there's going to be games to be played. And so on paper and watching it with your eyeballs, Alfredo is dead. But thinking more towards, well, how could this race play out? Could we get cautions? Could we get strategy at the end? And if you think of it from that angle, then Alfredo is back in play. And we need to do that. I didn't do that. I did not consider that. So that's a miss on my part. So let's be honest, right? Let's not just say, oh, well, that was just a lucky play. Don't do that. Don't say that. That's not very helpful to you. And it's kind of resentful to the people that win that make the right move. You don't know what was going through their mind when they made the Anthony Alfredo play. You don't know. You don't know that oh, they just programmed it into an algorithm and the algorithm spent out 150 lines. You don't know that. They may have really thought about what could possibly happen. Maybe Alfredo knows he doesn't have enough car speed and he's going to gamble at the end, which makes him a very good GPP play. And everyone else is looking at Alfredo saying, he's not fast enough. Why am I going to play him? And he's a little too expensive. I'm going to go with somebody else. We don't know. There's a lot of different ways. So let's not judge each other. The one thing that we can do as we listen to these podcasts at Spotify and Apple and Amazon or you're watching on YouTube is how do you take this information? Don't use it to judge other people. Don't take these spreadsheets and videos to criticize others. Use it for your own system. Use it to better improve your own process. What can you learn from this? How can you look at things differently? How can you flip it on its head, spin it round, and reverse it? I, Pierce Dietrich, will be the most viewed fantasy NASCAR analyst. I, Pierce Dietrich, will be a top-selling Amazon author. I will. I, Pierce Dietrich, will be the most viewed fantasy NASCAR analyst. I, Pierce Dietrich, will be a top-selling Amazon author. Top out! Blah, 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 blah. Losing my mind, but I got to stick to these affirmations. You just got to put it out there. You got to believe in it. It's a lot of energy. Love it. Well, hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully this wasn't too long. It was definitely too long. It was too long. 
All right, as always, please think if you've made it this far. If you can make it this far to one of my podcasts, which I know you can't because I can see what the retention rate is. So no one is still here. But if you are the one person that is still here, then maybe you consider supporting the channel, the work, me, and Brandon Cruz by going to patreon.com slash DFS, patreon.com slash DFS. You can also go to raceforthepriz.com, find all kinds of fun, neat stuff, information that I post up there. Uh, today I was messing around with a new way to do the pit road data. Like you can see right here, Austin Dillon, you can see all of his sequences. He gained, he lost four spots. He gained four spots. He gained a spot on pit road. He gained three spots on pit road. Nothing. Gained one spot. On, overall, he gained four spots on pit road. That's basically four place differential points if you want to look at it that way. So that's just a new way to compile the data that I've got here in the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet, which if you go to raceforthepriz.com, click on this red thing, sign up, start supporting the Patreon, then you can jump into these folders. You can play around with the data. You can manipulate the data and create your own type of algorithm that creates some sort of formula that does your own projections, and you can have fun with it. And if you really want to have fun and you really want to get weird, then go to go to the blog, and that's theconstrainedvision.com. That's my baby. That's my uh, videos and lectures and instruction curriculum for American History 1, American History 2, civics and economics. There is a science curriculum. There are review games to help kids or adults of all ages that want to continue the learning process. There are nonfiction essays. There are fiction short stories. It's not for everybody, but for the 5% of you that like it, Thank you. I hope you enjoy it. That's at theconstrainedvision.com. Most of you will probably just stick around, raceforthepriz.com, the Patreon, the spreadsheet. Thanks for having me. I, Pierce Dietrich, will be a top-selling Amazon author. That's the plan, guys. That's the plan. That's why the writing. Just keep writing, keep working on stuff, keep coming up with ideas, and having some fun with that. And I also will be the most viewed fantasy NASCAR analyst. If I keep you know, hitting out park with this amazing data for you, you can also see this data here as well to help you out. Let's trip the lights fantastic. How about it, huh?